All right, awesome. So welcome to the very first episode of Masters of Demand with me, Rafael Flores, a Master of Demand Generation, CEO of EdgehogAI.com. Um, Rafael, thank you so much for making it today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, all right, so so like, can you tell us about Edgehog? Uh, what do you guys do at Edgehog AI, and uh, how is it different? Sure. Uh, so Edgehog AI, it's a software slash consulting firm. We like to call ourselves as we like to coin ourselves as AI growth partners, where we combine uh, business consulting with our very customizable AI software. So essentially, what we do is that we we have an all-in-one AI software that it has image generator, code generator, content generator, uh, and then with that, we also are able to customize some of those pre-built prompts. So we do a lot of prompt engineering as well. Mm, yeah, that's very nice. And uh, okay, so like at Edgehog um, AI, since we're talking about demand generation, I'm just curious, uh, what demand generation strategies have you guys um, tested so far? Uh, what were some of the assets that you had in like in the channels that you tried? Yeah, well, I mean, right now we're in a very early stage uh, of the company. So right now we're mo mainly focused on just really perfecting the the software, um, you know, building out a lot of our systems and things like that. What I will say though, so for like our go-to-market strategy, which a lot of it is going to be based on, on being able to get uh, a lot of leads for the sales team, uh, it's going to be on event marketing. Uh, so we're putting together this really large uh, online virtual conference where we're inviting over 150,000 people. And then mm -hmm. so a lot of those, a lot of the people that convert to that conference are going to be technically leads. So that's our initial kind of go-to-market um, approach. Um, and again, you know, just event marketing, it can be a great way of of getting leads if you execute it properly. Mm, yeah, perfect. Uh, is this something that like, because uh, like you have a rich background in marketing and demand generation, is this something that um, you've also previously tested in other companies as well or like a tailored strategy for Edgehog? Uh, I mean, the event, the event side, yes, it's something that I've done before. Now, what I will say is when it comes down to events, I don't necessarily, I'm not a fan of in-person events. I think trying to get leads from an in-person event, at least from a marketing side, um, it doesn't really work very well. And unless you have a very, very good team that's very dedicated and diligent with following up with all of the contacts that they make at those events, <laughs> it really doesn't work well for you. Uh, but it, when it comes down to virtual events, um, there's really where you can really work 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 the the contact really well as long as you combine it with a a good process of conversions right or a good drip campaign nurture campaign whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I've done that. I've done that with previous companies where we do put together these conferences or webinars, and then from there, obviously, whoever participates, it doesn't have an explicit interest for whatever software or solution uh, we're providing we would usually put those people through some type of drip campaign to try to get them and build that interest as well. Yeah, that's perfect. And uh, just for uh, people like me that are uh, new to this field, can you uh, explain what drip campaign is? Sure, sure, sure. So a drip campaign, what it is, it's a series of emails that you build with the purpose of turning a customer in one stage of the customer slash prospect lifecycle into a, a client or to get them into and again, it really depends on what type of business model you have. If you have if you have a B2B model, generally the responsibility of marketing when it comes down to lead generation will end at turning that contact into, let's say, for example, a product demonstration, right? Mm -hmm. And so the purpose of a drip campaign would be a series of emails that you kept carefully draft 
to move the prospect from one stage to the next stage, would we, we, which would be like, let's say a demo, a, a demo, right, of the software. Mm-hmm. Uh, and different people call it different things. You can call it, you know, basically moving an MQL, which is a marketing qualified lead over to a sales qualified lead. Mm-hmm. That process uh, could be done through a drip campaign. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I see uh, you have an amazing podcast as well. So uh, like how does content marketing fit into your like overall demand generation strategy? That's a really good question. Uh, And to be perfectly honest with you, our podcast is not something right now that we're doing it from a lead generation. We're doing it for lead generation. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, you should do certain things for building brand and not necessarily for building leads, right? Um, And there's channels that are, again, there's channels that you can leverage for different things. So in this case, let's say, for example, a podcast, right? I generally wouldn't recommend starting a podcast for you to build leads right away. Mm -hmm. What I would do, and this is what we're doing with with our podcast, is create a podcast that people want to listen to, Mm -hmm. that tells a compelling story that that people are entertained by, that people are getting value from, and then grow it organically from that perspective and then focus on the leads later. Now, keep it at the back, keep it in the back of your mind, obviously, right? But I think that it's a lot, it's it's a much better strategy, at least long-term strategy to create a compelling story, to be entertaining, to give value, and then let the leads come in as you're being able to kind of just grow your audience um, organically. Now, this is, it's different from, from what you would do from an SEO perspective, because mm-hmm. from an SEO perspective, you can and you should be building leads pretty quickly and we can get into that if you want a little bit later but when it comes down to your your social media marketing and your podcasting for example that's 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 the driver of your brand in my in my opinion right so mm-hmm. when you're using that to drive your brand it doesn't make sense for you to want to focus on how many leads i can get from this rather mm-hmm. you should focus on how am i going to tell a story that's compelling that's going to increase the number of people that are going to want to listen to me and to my content, right? And it depends because if you're a solopreneur or whatever. Like look at, for example, what HubSpot has done or what Ahrefs have done with, with their social media presence, right? Especially in YouTube. They will give the resources out for free, mm-hmm. right? In, in these channels. And they, they, they will give as much information as possible. And the underlying kind of truth under you know the underlying truth in all of that content is that the solution for the problems that they're presenting is naturally their their company right mm-hmm. but they're not outright creating a video to to generate leads mm-hmm. you see what i mean yeah and so that's that's kind of what, what my recommendation is um for that um as a marketer uh, do you see a rise in b2b podcasting i do yes i do um and i think it's because Marketing, I mean, a lot of marketing leaders are becoming a lot younger. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to understand the value of these things. Whereas before, and I mean, it really depends on the company, but you have to remember, right? Marketing is an investment. And whether that's a, a short-term or long-term investment, right? You have to approach it from that perspective. And so, yes, there is a rise in podcasting because people have seen that this is a very good long-term investment in their company and their growth and especially their branding. Mm-hmm. Um. So- how do you think like um, podcasting and uh, like how does it come into play with like uh, SEO or something like that? Um, do they like drive each other or like two separate different strategies? 
They can, they can, because from remember, right? From so the beauty of a podcast as well, which is why a lot of think a lot of people are implementing it, it is because it gives you a very large portion of your content that you can repurpose. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's there's a system that I coined that's called the content waterfall. And so what a content waterfall is, is that you have the source of your content. Like that's like the, the source of the water, right? The river. Mm-hmm. And that water falls into everything else that you're doing as a, as, as, as a marketing department. So let's say, for example, if the source of your waterfall is going to be your, your, your podcast, right? Then from your podcast, you are going to kind of strategize it and blanket it around the content that you think is going to be relevant to your ICP mm-hmm. that is going to be, you know, a thought leadership content, relative content, educational content. From that, then you're going to repurpose it and waterfall it to everything else. And that's why, again, the rise of podcasting. Now, you can do the same thing with SEO, which I, which we I've employed that strategy in the past, where the SEO becomes like the reservoir of of, of our waterfall, mm-hmm. and then from our SEO, we create like, for example, um, event topics. We can create email campaigns. We can create eBooks. We can create videos, all kind of stemming from our SEO, right? Mm-hmm. And now you can add another layer to that, which you can call it thought leadership which thought leadership is a little bit different just from it as a simple, just, just from a straightforward SEO strategy in the sense that you're the one creating original content based on the knowledge of the industry that you're in that is relative, relative to your ICP. Mm-hmm. And so thought leadership content is, for example, podcasting is a great source of thought leadership content so that you can almost work your podcast and your SEO kind of in unison to be basically feeding all of the other channels that you need content for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. It makes sense. Um, and um, so, like speaking of SEO and podcasting and all of that um, content marketing, I'm curious: Have you uh, tried in any of the companies that you've worked for um, some sort of like um, content syndication campaigns? No. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm I'm not a fan because I I think that if you want really good content, you should keep it in house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, so, like, when you launch a campaign, what are the most uh, like important KPIs that you focus on? It depends, right? Generally, I don't like to. You see, well, that's that's. I mean, I, I guess I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but but I I don't like crafting a campaign and then having specific just KPIs for that campaign. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain what I mean, uh, because I'm a very I'm a very business minded marketer, in that from that sense, I like every campaign to play a, a play a role in the large in the larger goal, of marketing. And the goal of marketing should be directly tied to the business objective. Okay, so mm-hmm. for example, if we're creating if we're creating say, um, a set of email of a set of of, of email campaigns, right? those email campaigns and their results have to be directly correlated to the ultimate result that we want to have as a marketing team. And so generally what I would say is that a marketing team should be responsible for whatever X amount of revenue uh, in the company, mm-hmm. right? And and this varies from company to company. Some companies have it at 20%, some have it at 60, really depends. But let's say for example, that your the the goal of your marketing is to be to, to be directly uh in to directly influence 60% of your overall revenue or, or overall revenue or 60% of your sales should be sourced for marketing as an example right mm-hmm. so 
then this these campaigns that I'm creating, what percent what what percentage of that sixty percent of these campaigns going to be responsible for? Okay, so now you kind of bring it back even further and you say, okay, well, how many leads does it usually take me to acquire one customer based on my MQL, SQL, and customer percentages, right? So, okay, well, let's say it takes me 10 leads, for example, to close one customer. Okay, well, then now I know, now I, now I have a little bit more information to work with, but like, I can even take it a step, a, a step further and say, well, from email marketing specifically, how many leads does it take me to get? to a customer. And that can vary because I've seen it vary. So for example, you know, with Google ads, because it is a lot more bottom funnel, right? It might take less leads to close one customer as opposed to, let's say, doing a a, a Google display campaign as opposed to a search campaign because display is like you, you reach a lot more people, right? But they're not as qualified. So things like that. So you, once, you, once you understand your numbers and your metrics, then you go back and you set the KPIs for your campaign. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? But it doesn't become an isolated instance of like, well, this campaign, and I see that mistake being done all the time. I work for I work for a pretty large pub, uh, publication company in the past, and I, I don't think I can say their name, but um, they did that mistake in their marketing, which which it was like, okay, well, this this campaign gave us all these beautiful KPIs, which meant nothing mm-hmm. because, you know, it was like all these many impressions and these many leads and so on and so forth. But what does that really mean in the, in the, in the, in the, in the context of the overall business and the strategy? Well, it doesn't mean anything. Right. Unless you tell me, well, how many of these leads actually turn into a customer, then you just wasted money. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's the way that I would, that's the way that I do it. And that's the, re- the way I recommend every person that I work with to do it. You know, even like having, for example, my, my SEO team, they're responsible for a certain percentage of the attribution to revenue. So how do we get that? Is again, you know, by implementing different lead captures and things like that in our SEO or direct conversions and so on and so forth. But then that way people don't feel isolated, like in this little bubble thinking, well, I'm only responsible for these KPIs, right? But those KPIs might or might not actually mean anything in the in the larger scope of a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, well, that's great. Uh, so, like, more specifically about SaaS, uh, like, w- what is the end goal as a marketer? Like, is it, like, just, like, uh, demos or...? Uh, I, think, I think the job of a marketer ends and begins um, with the customer being happy. And now, and I'll explain what I mean by that because it's a misconception to think that marketing should only be responsible for sourcing the lead, and that's not the case at all. Because marketing is also responsible for for responsible for the development of branding, mm-hmm. and branding is something that permeates across all departments of your business, mm-hmm. right? Now, branding a lot of times does come from leadership, but marketing is very, very much involved in that process. Right. And your branding also determines the way that you treat your customers. Branding determines the way that your company operates. Branding determines the way your culture in your company operates. Right. And Mm so marketing is not just responsible for sourcing the lead. Marketing is also responsible for helping sales and analyzing their data and collaborating with sales constantly, constantly improving the performance. Right. But Mm -hmm. they're also responsible for finding new and innovative ways to engage their customers to build community, to find upsell, cross-sell opportunities, right? To find partnerships with existing clients or with existing customers or with other organizations, right? And so the job of marketing ends, starts and ends with the entire customer journey. It doesn't, it doesn't just stop at a lead. And the same goes for sales because if sales is not communicating properly with CS, 
sales could be closing the wrong ICP, mm -hmm. right? And if sales is not communicating properly with marketing, then marketing doesn't have any feedback to understand if the leads that they're sourcing are even good quality. Mm -hmm. Same goes for product, right? You mentioned a SaaS company. Well, product needs to be closely aligned with, with marketing. So their marketing knows what type of updates are gonna be coming up. Who are these updates for? What are they supposed to do in the larger scope of the ICP? So all of these things, when it comes down to a business, the worst thing you can do is silo your departments. Mm -hmm. It's like a clock, right? Every gear is working together. Every 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 movement move 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 the rest, right? That's the way you should be you should be thinking about it, as opposed to like a silo. Well, I get the I get the lead, I get the demo, I'm done. Yeah, not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so speaking of um, branding, I think I was uh, watching one of your reels on Instagram, mm -hmm. and uh, like it. It was you saying uh, what makes for an exceptional brand. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you the same question. What makes for an exceptional brand? That's a great question. And I think an exceptional brand is 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 a a brand that extends further or how do I how do I explain it um, in an, in, a, in an easier way? It, an exceptional brand is something is is a message feeling emotion that extends past your 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 immediate understanding of your product mm -hmm. and i guess i mean and i'm going to try to break that down a little bit a brand is not is not the 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 product the brand is that feeling that goes accompanied with that product that larger idea that larger concept of who you are and why and why you do what you do, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about the branding, for example, um, of of Apple, right? The branding of Apple is all it's 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 crafted around the the feeling of being different, the feeling the the the, the feeling of of wanting to make a change in the world, and the feeling of of being part of an innovative movement, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's very closely related to say, for example, what religion did right religion created a brand about all of the values and all of the feelings and and all of the thoughts associated with 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 every religion right and then created the message to basically follow with a follow up with that with with that feeling right mm -hmm. um to me it's a very very interesting and very very difficult concept to really grasp because it 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 extends to just business it also extends to philosophy and psychology and all of these things play a role so if you're if if you want to differentiate your brand from what's out there it really has it really has to have a very fundamental very deep meaning to it and mm -hmm. you can give and you can give fundamental and deep meaning to things that have psychological and philosophical implications Mm -hmm. There's that kind of, you know, there's a really good book. It's called uh, the it's and I forget I forget the name of the author, but it's 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 called uh, building building your building your story brand. Mm -hmm. Right. And they mention and they and they mentioned the concept of brand as the same having the same uh, the same development as 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 what we would call like an epic story. Like think of Star Wars. Right. It follows these 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 archetypes. Of development in the in the story, right? Well, mm -hmm. a good brand should do the same thing, right? It should have the external problem, which is like the villain, the problem that you're solving as a company. 
it should have the internal problem. So the internal problem that the hero is facing, right? And then it has to have an underlying philosophical problem in the story, right? Good versus evil. Uh, in, 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 in Batman, they do the same thing, right? The external problem is the Joker. The internal problem is all of the issues that Batman is dealing with in terms of like, should I go that far? Should I kill? Should I not kill? Right? And then the philosophical problem of anarchy. Order versus disorder. Right? Mm -hmm. And then the hero of the story becomes your customer. Hmm. So it is also, it's also the, the selfless component of a great brand, which is the great brand makes it about the, the individual looking at it. It makes it about you. See, Apple is not about Steve Jobs. Right? Apple is about you. Nike is not about Michael Jordan. Right? Nike is about you. So all of these great brands have made the messaging about you. The same thing with the same the same with 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 religion. It's about you and your relationship to a higher power. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's what they say. God is God created man in his image and likeness because we are God and God is us. That's the you know interpretation. So that's why it becomes a great brand. So a great brand follows those same archetypes, philosophical, psychological, and then it makes the story about the individual, not about them. Mm -hmm. Sorry, yeah. I kind of went on off on a rant there. Um, it was uh, you kind of caught me off surprise with that question. No, no, that was uh, that was actually uh, very interesting. I think um, it would make a great segue for our next question, uh, which I was like uh, on the fence if I like I would just ask it if it uh, came up and uh -huh. it did. So you have another reel on Instagram mm -hmm. where you say, "Why do I talk so much about this spirituality in business?" Yes, so can you explain that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, that's that's one of my favorite topics because I feel that, see, having a really good business is, in my opinion, directly correlated to your own development as an as as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in order for you to develop as an entrepreneur, you need to learn different skills. You need to accumulate different knowledge, right? You need to read. Literature, you need to you need to 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 consume literature, philosophy, psycho, psychology. But once you've done all of that, there's still a very very large missing component in all of this, and it's a, and it's a component that is present in everything that you're going to read when it comes down to those topics, right? In self development, and that's called that spirituality. And spirituality doesn't mean religion. Spirituality means, in my view, the development of the of of the self towards the higher self, right? Some people may call it, you know, connecting to God. Some people may call it raising your consciousness. Whatever you call it, the concept is the same, okay? So as, as, as you're developing as an individual and you're connecting yourself again with that higher self and you're raising your consciousness and you're raising your vibrations, right? then that permeates over to your business as well. And so as you grow spiritually, your business grows. Because when you grow spiritually, you understand how to lead because you lead yourself. When you grow spiritually, you understand that you have to be, you have to do things for others. And a good business does things for other people, not for themselves, right? When you learn to do things for other people, you also learn to lead because the, the idea of being a good leader is doing the things that you have to do for others protecting others, putting others first. That's the concept of real leadership, right? And then there's also the more metaphysical component to that, which is that 
I believe that humans do create their own universe and they create their own reality. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that one, you know? And so as we're creating our own universe and we're creating our own reality, that is closely linked to our spiritual development. And so what is the best way to create anything in the modern era? Well, it's through a business, right? Because what's the point of creating a product if nobody wants to buy it? You can't really keep feeding the product, right? You can't keep growing it. So you need to develop a business strategy around that. But it is all connected ultimately to the source, which is ourselves, our higher consciousness, our ability to raise our vibrations and to create the world that we want to live in. And then from that, the physical manifestation of it becomes your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, you mentioned Steve Jobs earlier, and uh, we know that he was also a spiritual guy. He had interest. Very much so. Yeah, and do you think that it uh, played a role in like Apple being the brand and company that it is today? 100, 100%. There is a, one of one of Steve Jobs' favorite books was the biography of a yogi, if I believe. I think that's the name of the book, um, and it's it's a it's a book on deep spirituality, right? And and he himself was a very spiritual, I mean, he's very spiritual uh, person. He he came up with the concept of Apple while he was on an acid trip, and people think he took it just because he was a hippie, but that's not why he took it. He took it so that he could connect himself because he understood that concept. Of connecting himself to that higher consciousness and you know mm-hmm. acid usually is, is a way to do that but also dmt and ayahuasca and those other substances right so yes he was a very deep spiritual person and yes that did play a very major role in the development of his brand and his company uh and his understanding of you know if you look at the first ad or one of the first ads that apple released which is the one where he talks about being a maverick and he talks about martin luther king and essentially he says that if those people were alive today they would be using apple right mm-hmm. And so that whole idea and that whole concept came from the idea of spiritual awakening and spiritual, you know, and 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 and, um, and the spiritual elevation, because mm-hmm. the, all of those people, right, Einstein, Martin Luther King, they were they all had their same version of that spiritual awakening. They were all awakened in one way, right? Because everybody thought they were crazy, and everybody mm-hmm. thought they were crazy because they viewed the world from a different lens, and you view the world from a different lens when you're essentially putting your mind in a completely different vibration as everybody else. And that's a very deep spiritual journey that people have to make, which is the same one that he made, which is why we have Apple. Mm-hmm. So um, is it um, true to say that like um, your company and your brand would be like a reflection of yourself or maybe like, I don't know, um, an extension of your consciousness, or something like that? 100%. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at, and I mean, I've seen this all over the time, all over the place. You have a disorganized leader, you have a very disorganized company, mm-hmm. right? You have a very forward looking, very motivated leader. You have a very forward looking, very motivated company. You know, the, the, the creator of the company, the creator of, of, of the brand and the product and so on. It, it, everything that comes after that is just a reflection of who that person is. I mean, and you can, you can, you can see the same in, in children and in, in, and even in your pets, if you have a dog, Right, dogs are literally the same thing. They they mirror our behavior. Like if you ever have you ever come home and you have a pet and you're extremely anxious, and you notice your dog starts getting anxious, it's not because he's anxious, it's because he's mirroring your behavior. And so, in 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 a very very deep fundamental sense, yes, your company, your organization, becomes a direct reflection of you. Mm-hmm. And that's a very very profound responsibility to have. Mm-hmm. But ultimately. 
I mean, isn't that true with life in general? I mean, your life does become essentially a mirror and a manifestation of who you are. Yeah, uh, I remember, I don't know where I heard this, but someone was saying this as like a tough love quote or something that um, if your business is doing worse, maybe it's because you are like a worse human being. And uh, it could be. Yeah, I I thought it was like, uh, back then I thought it was like too pushing it, but I think it makes sense now. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, if there's financial problems that affect directly affect your business, that it's all your fault, mm-hmm. right? But how you react to it is 110% your responsibility, mm-hmm. right? There are things that are out of control, out of our, our control, right? Say yeah. right now with, with, you know, our economy, the way that it is, right? With our inflation, the way that it is, those are things out of our control, mm-hmm. but how we deal with that is really the mark of, 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 of your leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about uh, brands. Um, even more. So you mentioned Apple and Nike. Uh, what are other brands that uh, come to your mind when you think of a successful brand or maybe like even uh, as like a horrible brand? Okay. Um, what's another really good brand? Walmart. Hmm. Very great. Very Maybe not now so much, but during when Sam Walton was alive, it was an r- incredible brand. Um and it was all based on his mission, right? To make products accessible to the regular person. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sony is another really great example of that. Um, I actually made a video on Sony where I talked about them. You know, they started out as, as a rice cooker, uh, but their their values and their branding was, was very, very well rooted within their organization that even though they did start making out a product that wasn't very successful, um, they started, you know, they kept developing and they kept, pivoting and making changes that they needed to, to eventually become one of the largest, if not the largest technology companies in the world. Um, one company that I think has a horrible brand, well, there's a lot of them. Um, but let me think of a famous one that I think is, is, is pretty bad. Um, and this is a little bit of a harder question because if, if it's a bad brand, you usually probably won't know about it, mm-hmm. but I can tell, okay. Um, the U.S. government <laughs> yeah. has a horrible brand right now. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible, terrible PR, terrible branding. The Medical Association has probably one of the worst, worst branding slash PR that it's, that it's ever had. Um, I think that a lot of our, our of our institutions have very horrible brands, or maybe brands that are not being upheld. One of those two. Mm-hmm. Um. So my next question is, uh, with so many different channels available for demand generation and like marketing in general, how do you maintain brand consistency? That's a really good question. Um, well, I mean, I, I think there's two parts to that uh, that I would say. Obviously, a lot of that does is a responsibility of the leaders within that organization to keep the, the concept of the brand alive and the messaging um, and the messaging can be rooted in the processes that you've developed within your, your, your organization. So you have to, before me, obviously before you, I guess you can do them in unison, but you have to have a very, very well-established messaging for your product, 
for the way you talk about it, for the adjectives, for the words you use, for the tone you use. And once you've established your, your messaging, then you establish a process by, by which you check on the messaging, by which you publish your content, right? And so I think those those two ways are probably the the, the, the ones that come to mind, um, messaging and processes. Mm. How do you like um, Edgehog AI to be known for? Like, what do you like the brand for Edgehog AI to be? Uh, our brand is that it is that we are bridging the gap between technology, business, and spirituality. Can you unpack that? Sure. So the way that we see the world moving right now is that there is a very deep connection between these three forces. And these three forces are responsible for the future of where mankind is going, business, spirituality, technology. Spirituality because we as human beings, if we don't want to end up in the same situation that most of our ancestors ended up, we have to make the spiritual journey to raise our, raise our consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that goes into that, but uh, we can get into it later. The technology piece is because now we're in a very crucial state in terms of the technology that we're developing with artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence, in some ways, it is, you know, in the way that it's programmed, it is almost like a hive mind super consciousness, very similar to us in that in that sense, right? Mm -hmm. But it is still a mirror of humanity, and it is a mirror of of human human inputs and human interactions. And so that is deeply connected with our spirituality because if we don't raise our awareness, then we're going to leverage this technology for things that no you nor I can imagine the, the, the deep impact that it can have on our, way, on our everyday life. Mm -hmm. And then the business component of that is because business is the driver of not just humans, but the driver of economies, the driver of politics, the driver of all of these different things. And so... We kind of combine these three different areas and see, well, how can we, how can we be a part of, of, of this kind of trifecta? And how can we aid people in, in, in creating a perfect unity between them? Mm -hmm. um, we talked about uh, the rise in B2B podcasting. Mm -hmm. um, so what uh, other like uh, trends that you see like, uh, like right now that, um, like in the B2B marketing and demand generation that uh, makes you excited? That makes me excited? Mm -hmm. I guess more marketing, more marketing departments um, understanding the concept of storytelling makes mm -hmm. me excited because I think that that really is opening the doors to a lot of creativity. Um, what really gets me excited is the implementation of technology in all of this. Right? How is technology going to help us be more creative in a more efficient way? Um, and I think that more, I guess, I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, but more people just becoming more aware of how business is supposed to function and more people having access to that information. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's also pretty exciting, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, where do you see the future of B2B marketing and like heading in the next five to uh, 10 years? Well, maybe I with think like we, AI and all of that. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, definitely AI. 
But I think uh, on the con on, on the idea of AI, I mean, I think more and more B two B, more and more businesses and more and more companies are gonna, you know, are gonna be created in the next few years that are gonna aid uh, businesses and marketing people, sales and so on, with more AI technology. And obviously, we're gonna start becoming more efficient, which again is kind of what I see happening. More efficient with the amount of content that we can post. Uh, more efficient with the speed at which we can do things, with the speed of analysis, the speed of creation, the speed of all of these different things. Um, and I also think that, you know, as a younger generation of of leaders is coming up in sort of these organizations, I think that there's going to be a crisis. But I mean, almost like it's going to be like a double-edged sword where. We're going to be a lot more understanding because the newer generation, you know, people like my age or age, our leadership style is very different from our predecessors. Mm -hmm. So there's 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 definitely a lot of value in that. But there's also the the other side where it might become a lot harder to find people that are willing to. And I mean, you see this now, right? Like not just to keep employees, but to engage your employees, to keep them, right? Uh, and then how do you kind of combat the concept of immediate gratification, which is something that permeates through the, especially the younger generations even more. So that's going to be a challenge. You know, how do we keep people entertained enough so they actually become good at their job before they leave? Mm -hmm. Because that's also another problem is that you have people now that are becoming directors, VPs of marketing, and they're just not good at their job. You know, that's a lot of people. And partly why they're not good at the job is because they don't stay at one place long enough to actually learn. They stay at a place long enough to get a higher position. Um, and that's also one of the problems that I see happening from, from that perspective. And I see it happening now all the time. Um, the other thing is, you know, a lot of people, if they don't kind of get on board with how to use technology, how to properly, properly leverage it, then, you know, there, there's a lot of people are going to be left without a job. And, I think that the strategic people, the people that understand the concept of marketing, the people that understand how it's supposed to function, I think those people are going to leverage AI, and they're gonna you know they're gonna be able to cut back on on the number of people they have on a team, and they're just gonna keep very very good people on board. At least that's what I would do, mm -hmm. right? I would probably just keep maybe I'll slip down from ten to five, but make sure that those five use are very good at leveraging artificial intelligence. Um, and you know, I think you're, we're also going to see a rise in very skilled knowledge because you'll have to, because AI is going to do a lot of the, a lot of the writing, right? A lot of, um, especially the writing, a lot of the writing is going to make your image and your, cre and your, your creative process much easier. So it's going to come down to the person that can really interpret the prompts and the results that you're getting from AI. Mm -hmm. And for that, you're going to have to have a more technical eye. So that might actually be where we're, where we're headed as, as professionals, which is, again, going to leave a lot of people that are not willing to really learn their craft very well and thinking they can rely just solely on ChatGPT. They're either going to pump out very low quality content and very low quality marketing on mass, which is also scary, mm -hmm. um, or they're going to be left without a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great place to wrap. Um, um, how do you say, um, um, no, um, so what are, um, yeah, sorry, this one. So what advice would you give to someone just 
starting in B2B marketing or demand generation. And uh, maybe there's, I don't know, any books, any advice, anything? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of books. Um, I actually wrote one called the, again, I wrote it so long ago. I can't believe I forgot the name, but I can share it with you that you can share it with your yeah. listeners. I can, yeah, I'll give it to you guys for free, a PDF file. But you no, know, in terms of, of books, I mean, if you want to be a good marketer and you're going to be, you want to be a very good lead generation specialist, learn business, mm-hmm. learn business. Like there's a lot of books. There's a book called Scaling Up and I, the names of the authors escape because I'm really bad with names. The book is called Scaling Up. There's another book, but this one's by Michael Gerber. It's called uh, the, E-Myth Revisit, the, the, E-Myth, the E-Myth Revised. Mm-hmm. Uh, great book. Uh, just try to get your hands on as many business books as you possibly can. Because a business book is going to help you really understand why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Like, why am I even collecting these suites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's insanely important because it also understands, it helps you understand the value of what you do as a marketer and as a lead generation specialist. But also it really helps you understand where these leads kind of go to and where should they be going to and how they should be nurtured properly. Mm-hmm. I can say that me learning more and reading more about business made me a much, much, much better marketer that any marketing guru is ever going to make you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is very important like to understand the difference between brand and lead generation, the difference between demand and lead generation, right? Those two other things are, are a little bit different. Um, and then lastly, I would say that do not listen to marketing people that don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. right that's uh listen to business owners listen to people that have done it been there done that and then try to apply what you know from lead generation to how does that help with the overarching goal of a business and stop looking at stop looking at what you do as a siloed part of the job or the business but look at it as as um as a, as a very important component in where the business is going uh and if you're able to do that then you're going to be very successful mm-hmm. um you know, there's, and there's so much, I mean, we could talk about lead generation all the time and strategies and so on and so forth. Um, but I think that's the most important. And then last but not least, and this is very important. And I have made a lot of content on this is understand your ICP inside and out. You know, what do they like? What don't they like? You know, their, their demographic information. Yes. But also their infographic information um, and know your industry very well, right? What things are trending, what is not trending, what are people talking about? What are people not talking about anymore? And then cater your content accordingly. You know, you getting leads is easy. Creating the content that is enticing for people who actually want to become a lead, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, the easiest way to get leads is through, through great content. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, thank you so much. I think that was amazing. Uh, all of your insights and uh, your words of wisdom. Any last word? Uh, no, I mean, I just good luck to you. I mean, this is your first episode. I've been there. I don't have that many episodes myself, so good luck. And, um, and if you need anything, reach out. I'm, I'm happy to help and I'm happy to help your, your listeners and anybody that needs my help. Um, just feel free to reach out. I'll, you know, my email is Rafael Flores together at edgehogai.com. Anybody can email me with any information. Um, and we also have a very large virtual conference coming up. We're expecting about 2,000 people. It's called the AI Frontier, the Future of Business. 
Um, I can also link, you can, you know, I really encourage everybody to join that. It's going to be sure. a lot of really good opportunities to learn about AI application to business and then network with a lot of people. Uh, and for your listeners, I'm more than happy to give them all a discount. So, Absolutely. Uh, um, how do people can sign up for this? Uh, you, you're going to go to AIfrontier.hog.com and I will send you the link as well. Uh, and people can go ahead and link there. And if you want, Mike, I can make you a custom link so we can we can give your listeners a little bit of a discount on that as well. Sure. But again, that's AIfrontier.hog.ai.com. Also, can you tell us your uh, Instagram because you uh, put out amazing content there too? Yes, my Instagram is hogai. Uh, um, well, thank you so much um, again. And um, yeah, looking forward to what is ahead. Thank you so much.